0: Exhaling smoke. How's tricks? Just dandy, Bonnie said with a go to hell smile. How about your own self? You're awful chipper for somebody that's going to be hung. Hung hell! Bonnie swung his legs over the side of the bunk. The shackle chain rattled as he stood and hobbled to the cell door, his mouth split in a lopsided grin. You want to make some fast money, Bronnock? Lay odds that I never set foot on the gallows. The statement was not altogether braggadocio. Barely 21 now, Bonnie had killed eight men in the last six years, and never once come close to facing the hangman's rope. His exploits had brought him the adulation of the common people and the respect of ruffians throughout the territory. Contrary to popular belief, Clint knew the kid was nothing more than a common murderer. Far from a gunfighter, the young outlaw had given none of his victims an even break. Of the men he'd killed, at least seven had been gunned down with no chance to defend themselves. He was one of those oddities of God's handiwork, a man purged of conscience. Studying him through the bars, Clint was struck again by his deceptive appearance. Bonnie was runt-sized, shorter than many women, with a lantern jaw and the look of a bantam gamecock. Only his eyes which were the color of carpenter's chalk, gave him away. His gaze was steady and confident, more menacing than a bald-faced threat. Until today, Clint had never had any dealings with the kid. Their acquaintance was through Virgil Brannock, his older brother, who had settled in New Mexico in 1874. A cattleman who dabbled in politics, Virgil's spread was located on the Rio Hondo. His closest associate was John Chisholm, The largest rancher in the territory. Their friendship stemmed from the bloodletting that had consumed Lincoln County since 1878. Essentially a political struggle, the Lincoln County War involved two factions. On one side were Chisholm and several ranchers and a local storekeeper, Alexander McSween. Challenging them were L.G. Murphy, and shadowy figures of the Santa Fe Ring, a Republican political machine that dominated territorial affairs. The kid, whose loyalties lay with one of the ranchers, had ended up in Chisholm's camp. Before it was over, more than 20 men had died in the fighting. Old animosity still lingered, and the threat of violence seemed ever-present. But Clint's interest in the kid had nothing to do with the Lincoln County War. He'd come to my instead hoping to settle an older score. He thought the kid might be persuaded to talk. Got a favor to ask, he said now. I'm looking for a man by the name of Jose Tafoya. Bonnie's voice was suddenly guarded. Why come to me? Clint took a long drag on his cigarette. His expression was sphinx-like. You've been on the Dodge close to three years. I figured you might have heard something. Maybe so, Bonnie said sourly. But that still don't answer the question. Why should I turn songbird? Clint gave him a straight, hard look. I'll put it to you another way. Why would you protect a comanchero? Bonnie stared at him for a long moment. On either side of the law, Clint Brannock was respected for his cool judgment and nervy quickness in a tight situation. He was a tall man, lean and tough, with smoky blue eyes and a thatch of sandy hair. His manner was deliberate, and he never indulged in small talk or encouraged it in others. He was reported to have killed eleven men in gunfights. In 1874, after serving as a cavalry scout... Clint had been appointed a special agent by the army. His orders were to root out and destroy the Comancheros, an organization of Mexicans and renegade Anglos who supplied firearms to the horseback tribes. The mission was something of a personal vendetta, for his middle brother, Earl, had been killed after becoming involved in the illicit trade. Since then, he had devoted himself to tracking down the Comancheros. Early in 1875... The last of the Comanche bands had been forced onto the reservation. With their downfall, the firearms trade ceased and the Comancheros scattered to the winds. Clint nonetheless pursued them relentlessly, and more than a dozen had been captured and imprisoned. Yet the man he wanted most had eluded him for the past seven years. Jose Tafoya, the first Comanchero he'd captured, had been turned over to the army. Under highly suspect circumstances, Tafoya had escaped from the guardhouse at Fort Bascom. Clint still believed that the escape had required the collusion of the post commander. While Tafoya had vanished, he hadn't yet closed the books on this case. He thought today might be his lucky day. At length, he ground his cigarette underfoot. He looked through the bars at Bonnie. What the hell, kid? It's no skin off your nose? Bonnie's mouth crooked in a grotesque smile. Ask a favor, he said, and that means you owe a favor. I'm liable to call the marker sometime. Clint opened his hands, shrugged. Short of breaking you out of jail, I'm open to a deal. No worries there, Bonnie told him. I bust myself out of jail. All right, Clint said, woodenly. Let's just say I'm in your debt. Where can I find Tafoya? i judge it about a day's ride south of here. He's across the border? Old Mexico? Nope, Bonnie said almost idly. Last I heard, he was in El Paso. El Paso? Clint repeated, genuinely surprised. What's he doing there? Bonnie laughed out loud. I'd just imagine the poor son of a bitch is hiding out from you. Clint grinned despite himself. He left the sack of tobacco and rolling papers with the kid and walked from the jail. On the way back to the hotel, he was forced to a grudging admiration for Jose Tafoya. El Paso was the last place he would have looked. The road from Mesilla generally followed the Rio Grande. Some thirty miles south... Where the river made a slow dog-leg, the boundaries of New Mexico, Texas, and Old Mexico briefly converged. A few miles farther downstream lay El Paso. Clint was mounted on a buckskin gelding. He departed Mesilla early the next morning and set a pace that would put him in El Paso before dark. His years as a cavalry scout had taught him to conserve horse flesh whenever possible, particularly in Indian country. A band of bronco apache was loose, and a man never knew when he might have to ride for his life. He held the gelding to a sedate trot. Along the shoreline, the countryside was dotted with native acacias and patches of farmland. The road Clint followed was an ancient trace, once a link between the old world and the new. He was reminded that New Mexico was a land of troubled complexity, a blend of Indian, Spanish, and Anglo. The mix, like oil and water, formed an imperfect bond. The Conquistadors first crossed the Rio Grande in 1540. For nearly three centuries, New Mexico was a Spanish Viceroyalty, in which the Church and the Crown ruled overlapping domains. Trade flowed along the Camino Real between Mexico City and Santa Fe, and Pueblos flourished along the river valleys. Then, in 1821... When Mexico declared independence, New Mexico became a frontier province. While trade with Mexico continued, commerce along the Santa Fe Trail created a foothold for Anglo influence. In 1846, when the Mexican War exploded, the American army quickly occupied Santa Fe. Scarcely two years later, New Mexico was formally ceded to the United States. Within a matter of three decades, the land had passed from the Spanish crown to the Anglo Republic. Nor were the days of blood and violence yet ended. The Apache conflict was only briefly interrupted by the Civil War. Texas volunteers stormed Santa Fe, and the territory was declared an outpost of the Confederacy. By 1862, the Confederate campaign in the West floundered, and New Mexico was once again in Union hands. The Apache, led by Geronimo and Victorio, came under scrutiny when the war finally ended. Peace was a fleeting thing in a land forged by the force of arms. Anglo settlement, which mushroomed with the expansion of the railroads, brought still greater violence. In 1875, political corruption and land frauds turned northern New Mexico into a battleground. The Colfax County War pitted the Santa Fe Ring against ranchers and homesteaders who had settled on what they regarded as public domain. Assassination and murder and...